All right, all right, all right. What's going on, you guys? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Love Chat. I am your host, Pastor Michael, love guru, and I am your spiritual guide to help you navigate through this crazy thing called love. Why? So that you don't become a victim of weaponized love. Are you ready to peep some game? Let's get into it, people. Today, I'm going to be doing a couple of things, right? I'm excited because I have a new system, uh, some new ideas that I want to share with you guys. And if this is your first time, we are raw, we are uncut. We don't know how things are going to turn out. We're going to let the spirit of God move us as we begin to break down some issues as it relates to relationships, okay? Make sure you guys share, comment, like, give me some feedback, click on the link, follow me, because for those who are, well, let me let you know first before we get any further, I try my best to not give you necessarily my opinion when it comes, well, I shouldn't say that because I'm going to give you some of my opinion. But when I talk about love, I talk about it from the viewpoint of God on how he has structured marriage, on how he structured intimate relationship. And when I say love, um, we talk about the Greek word eros, romantic and physical love, because there are at least nine types of love or dynamics of love uh, when it comes to the Greek who did an amazing job at breaking down the dynamics of love, because we throw that word around a lot, right? We love hot dogs. We love football. We love sex. We love our cars. We love our pets. We love our kids. We love our parents. We love our spouses. We love our baby mamas. We love our baby daddies sometimes, right? But we throw the word love around a lot, but we can't just use that word to cover everything because there are different dynamics to the word love. So when I talk about love, I talk about eros, Eros, I'm sorry, Eros, I pronounced it wrong. It's Eros, which is talking about romantic and physical love, the passionate love that you have with husband and wife. So we're going to talk about that, but I want to talk about that from how God created it, because I firmly believe that God created love. He created marriage. He created relationships. And so in order for us to operate in it the way it's supposed to be, we have to go back to the person who created it, right? He wrote the rules. And if you want to do it right, then we have to follow his way. So if you're looking at me for the very first time, if you want to understand how love and relationship works, understand that it will be talked about from a God's perspective. It's not my opinion. It's not what I think is right. It's not what culture thinks is right. It is strictly biblical. So if you feel like that's going to be considered old school, traditional, outdated, then this is not the channel for you. 
I am not the influencer for you. I am not the guide for you. So you can click off right now. I appreciate you clicking on. Thank you. But for those who want real fulfilling love the way God has ordained it to be, welcome, welcome, welcome. So sit back. If you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Apple iTunes, I, I appreciate you. Salute. If you're watching me on YouTube, I appreciate you. Salute. For all those that's watching me live on social media, I salute you guys. And I appreciate you guys. Um, I really do. Following, um, commenting, right, reaching out, um, your love and your support for all those who um, say they have been blessed by my messages. And I want you guys to know that although I am certified with the American Association of Christian Counseling, I am, I've been pastoring since 2014, counseling since 2008, several certifications. I do not know everything about love. I am not a perfect lover. I am not a perfect husband. I am not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. This is also therapy for me. I will share with you truths that God teaches me, even about my own uh, thought process, even about my own perceptions. God is constantly growing me and developing me um, along with you guys. So this is a journey that we're going to take together. You're going to learn from me, preferably going to love from Learn, I'm going to learn for you. Thank you for all the hearts and likes. Please show some love, hearts and likes. I appreciate you guys. Okay. So I'm going to be going over a couple of things. I'm going to be showing you a couple of things. Those that are live may not be able to see some of the things that I am going to be playing or um, displaying, but you can always go back to my YouTube channel, um, Pastor Michael. I'm sorry. The Love Chat Podcast, the Love Chat Podcast, you'll be able to see it live with the illustrations and the things that I'm going to talk about. And you're going to want to do this because we're going to be talking about some dope stuff today. I got some amazing stuff I want to talk about. Uh, this segment I entitled The Marriage Story, The Marriage Story. Um, there was a movie that me and my, watch, my wife watched on Netflix a few days ago and there's this movie called The Mirror Story. I'm going to talk about who stars in it, but spoiler alert, I'm going to be breaking this movie down. So if you want to first watch this movie before you listen to me break this movie down, pause this, save this, subscribe to this, watch the movie, and then come back to this breakdown, okay? So if you don't want me to spoil it for you, you may want to watch the movie first, right? But I'm going to break it down um, from a very deep standpoint, all right? So thank you guys again. Share for all those that are live right now. I love the hearts, the likes, the shares, the support. Make sure you share this on your page. Make sure you support it because I'm going to peep game. We are here to expose the devil, when it comes to how he has weaponized love, right? We want to be in a relationship. We want to be married. We want to be booed up. There's a natural 
drive and the desire within us that wants us to be married, that wants us to be in love. And the devil has taken that natural urge and has weaponized it, right? I always teach there are four sets of laws that govern love, that govern relationship, that govern um, eros, right? Well, it really governs any type of love, right? There's a law of spirituality. That's the highest law ever. Those are spiritual principles that connects to romantic relationships, right? And in order for you to know those laws, you have to have a relationship with God and you have to properly understand scriptures, right? That's the first set of laws, the law of spirituality. The second law is the law of what I call psychology, right? And psyche, as I taught before, the root word means soul. It means your mind, your will, and emotions, right? It's not just your, your thoughts, it's your mind, will, and emotions. So psychology is not just the study of your thoughts and your mind, but it's your mind, your will, and emotions. So there's a law of psychology that governs love. There's also the third set of laws is the law of physiology, the physical law. That's the body. Those are the hormones that affect us when we are in relationships, right? There are things that's going to happen in your body, whether you want them to or not whether you are in love or not, whether you try to sleep with somebody and walk away or not. There are some things that's going to happen within your body that you need to be aware of, right? Some of the stuff you think is love, but it's hormones that's causing you to react in a certain way. And then fourth is what I like to call the law of cultural influence. By design, we are influential creatures. The Bible calls us sheep. Sheep are the dumbest animals on the planet because they follow anything. That's why they need to have a good shepherd. As a matter of fact, did you know that sheep is the only animal that do not have a leader, that do not have a natural leader? What does that mean? We will follow anybody that's influential. And so you have to understand, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character right? That means that if you're hanging with someone or in a relationship with someone that you're not supposed to be in, the chances of you affecting them for good is going to be slim. Most likely, they're going to corrupt and affect you. They will affect you. As a matter of fact, there are many warnings in the Bible of God specifically telling people not to get into relationships with certain people. I always teach there are three types of marriages or relationships for those who are not technically married that you will encounter in your life. One, God's will. God's will is the very best. This is when God puts two people together for a specific kingdom purpose. That's either to create something for God in business. That's even uh, as it relates to have a certain child. You see in the Bible that God put people together because of the bloodline that he wanted to go through that particular person. There may be a certain uh, vocation that he wants you guys to be in or a, a city that he wants you to live in, right? So he puts two people together for a specific kingdom purpose. That's God's will. That's the best. That is the blessed relationship. The second relationship or marriage that you can get into is what I like to call free will relationships. That's when you, God gives you options and you choose the very best based on a set of spiritual laws that he has 
created that says you're going to get the best outcome out of this person, right? But you can also choose somebody who's not equally yoked. That's why the Bible says do not be unequally yoked because you have a choice on who you're going to marry. That's your free will marriage. Then it's what I like to call, and, and let me say this, you can marry somebody who is a believer and still be unequally yoked. You can still be unequally yoked. Just because you go to the same church, you read the same Bible and you, you love God does not mean that you guys were supposed to be together. It does not. It does not necessarily mean you may have a better chance with her or him, but they don't necessarily mean it's going to be the best fit for you, right? So I need to say that because there's a lot of people that get into relationships and marriages because people are go to the same church or they're saved, and it's a horrible connection because your guys' purposes are not aligned, right? We are all bodies, but we all have different functions, right? The finger and the toe belong to the same body, but they don't belong to the same uh, like, what's that word? Oh, Lord, I was about to say lineage, but appendage, 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 right? You don't belong to the same appendage. So you may be a toe and that person may be a finger. Although you belong to the same body, you got, you're not a part of the same appendage. So that's what unequally yoke mean. Okay. So that's why you need to be careful and understand how you should be connected. That's free will. And then the third is what I like to call the slow kill, right? There's God's will, there's free will, and there's slow kill. Slow kill is when you are a believer and you hook up with someone who is not connected to the spirit or connected to Christ. And they will lead, lead they, they will lead your heart toward God. Those relationships in the Bible have literally take, took, took people who was in God's will, who was following his plan and led them astray and they started worshiping other gods. I even dare say that those people will lead you, will make you leave your position of salvation. Now, I know that's a little controversial because there's a lot of people who say you cannot lose salvation. And what I tell people is technically you can't lose salvation, but you can choose to walk away. That's what is that's what backsliding is called. It's you chose to walk away from God and he calls you back. I know the Bible says he's married to the backslider, which means he doesn't throw you away. But if you die in that state without coming to Christ, would would you denying Christ, would you walk away from Christ? You will be lost. You will serve without God in eternity. So technically, yeah. You can't lose your salvation, but you can walk away and you could and you can be led away. And normally those types of relationships, those people, those slow kill relationships, those weaponized relationships, those relationships that still kill and destroy everything about you are slow kill relationships. OK, so those are three types of relationships that you can get in, especially when we are dealing with. Um, arrows. And those are relationships you want to make sure you are mindful of and you walk away from it. Okay. So with that being said, I want to jump right into my uh, breaking down this movie called The Marriage Story that me and my wife watched. And it's crazy because it's not a movie that 
me and my wife normally would have even picked. It was referred to us by my good friend, uh, friend Tony DeLearn. Um, shout out to Tony. And me and my wife watched it. it took us two days to watch it because um, not that it wasn't bad. It was just what we was tired, right? We watched it. It was definitely worth the watch. Um, and I always tell my wife, I don't know why they should call it the marriage story. It sounds like they should call it the divorce story, right? Because it really was dealing with a divorce that was happening, okay? So I want to share something with you about divorce, because a lot of times there's a side of divorce that we don't want to talk about. So for all those that are watching me live, you may not see this, so I'll have to break it down, but I'm going to share this uh, TikTok that I, I got um, about the brutal truth about divorce. All right. And um, let me go ahead and share this. Give me a second. All right. All right. So again, for those who are not watching this live, you won't be able to see it. So check it out. About divorce, the brutal truth. A man no longer offers access to provisions and protection after a divorce. A woman no longer offers access to loyalty, appreciation, and respect after a divorce. During separation, up until divorce, and long after, a woman completely cuts off access. He has expired her duty and contributions to the union. A man cannot shut off access. His duty remains consistent. He does not get to expire his contributions. During separation and divorce proceedings, a woman will strip you of your assets and children, have another man occupying your side of the bed, and time with your children while you're paying the rent and utilities, including the apartment you have to stay in during the process. More often than not, attorneys will persuade men to stand down when battling for joint custody due to the unfair court system. More often than not, you'll be paying for her attorney fees and if you had a lengthy marriage, you'll be paying alimony. So when it's all said and done, you'll be funding her lifestyle with someone else and your children will be weaponized against you. But let's stop questioning men who'd rather exercise their options or promote premarital agreements. But nobody. All right. Boom. All right. So for those who were not able to see it again, go to my uh, page, Love Chat. This video will be up next week. But in a short thing, it was a, it was a gentleman here. Um, he was saying about the, the brutal truth about divorce that no one tells you, right? And we're going to cover a little bit of that in this breakdown of the marriage story, but it basically is saying how men get basically taken through the ringer when it comes through divorce. Now, I know that there are situations where, um, Women get taken through the ringer as well, right? And that's the story that we see the most when it comes to marriages and relationships. But there is another segment of that. And that is women, I mean, the men's side of what happens in divorce. Men get taken through the ringer as well. And how the court system is really set up to basically let tell men, listen, you're going to lose Right. Doesn't matter what you do. Um, the system is not set up for men when it comes to divorce. It's set up for women and it destroys uh, men at a lot of times. We don't want to talk about that. So we're going to get into that. And I know this may be triggering for some men. And of course, we're going to also have some hate coming from some women. 
who probably feel like, hey, you know, men should be taken to the ringer uh, when it comes to divorce because, you know, we want to weaponize men a lot of times when it comes to relationships and marriages. But again, like I said, there are instances where, and we're going to get into that um, marriage story. So let me first pull up the marriage story. I'm going to pull up a trailer that I want you guys to take a look at. Again, for all of those who can't see it, you can go check out the marriage story trailer. So I want to share this trailer with those. Give me one second. All right, let me. Let me see. Hold on. All right, let's check it out. We finna check out the trailer of the marriage story. Here we go. What I love about Nicole, she is a mother who plays, really plays. What I love about Charlie, he loves being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, like waking up at night. He knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. He never lets other people keep him from what he wants to do. Yeah, you're too far. I know. It's not easy for her to close a cabinet. He's incredible neat. She's brave. He's brilliant. He's very competitive. So Holly, tell Charlie what's happening. And Cassie, you then hand him the envelope. I just get nervous. And you unserve? What do you mean? Like, take it back? Charlie and I are getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. You well, most people in my business, it's just transactions to them. I like to think of people's people. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> you remind me of myself on my second marriage. I don't know what we're going to get again. I was telling you, you were so... You got your hair in? No, this is me. You don't like it? Is it shorter? I prefer longer, but... How are you doing? I realized I didn't ever really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. I'll never get to really be his parent again. He needs to know that I want from him. As simple as not being in love anymore. Eventually, it'll be the two of you having to figure this out. Together. If we start from a place of reasonable and they start from a place of crazy, when we settle, we'll be somewhere between reasonable and crazy. <laughs> All right, Netflix, The Marriage Story. If you haven't checked it out, again, you want to check that out because I'm going to be doing some breakdown of that particular story, okay? So I'm going to pull up my notes so we can get it popping. Like I said, it was a good movie, very triggering. I'm going to play some more uh, clips and some scenes from that movie. I'm going to break that thing down, okay? So let me give you the synopsis for all of those who 
can't um, see this for whatever reason. Hold on. Let me go to the IMDB database. Shouts out to all my filmmakers out there. The Marriage Story. Uh, let's see. It did pretty good. They said 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but I really liked it because it was really impactful. I'm trying to see if I can get reviews. All right, it's rated R. So just know that two hours, 16 minutes, you can find it on Netflix. So this movie came out, release date. It actually was in theaters. It was limited in theaters, November 6, 2019. Uh, it was, now the distributor is Netflix. A lot of great um, reviews. One of the reviews says, Marriage Story is the most mature work for Bumbach. I, I may be pronouncing that wrong. So far, a complex view of good people who find that goodness isn't enough to uh, get them against um, domestic issues in their relationships. And we're going to talk about that, right? We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, that. Um, I believe that there are some marriages that could have worked out, but because of issues that we have. And I'm going to go over some of the issues that I believe are the 10 most driving issues that we have as human beings that get into our marriage and cause us, us to break up. But I believe that there are some marriages that could have worked out, right? We're warm up in this place. There are some marriages that I believe could have worked out, but they didn't have the tools in order to work them out. I believe, to me, that's the biggest heartbreak of two marriages that probably could have made it or should have even made it, but didn't have the tools to get over it because we get into our own way when it comes to marriages a lot of times. Here's a synopsis. I'm not about to read that. That thing is huge. All right, I'm going to read this smaller synopsis. All right. Sadly, after numerous disastrous sessions of marital mediation, New York City's brilliant theater director, Charlie, and one-time Los Angeles movie actress, Nicole, decided to split up, putting an end to their decade-long marriage. However, divorce is horrible. And as the once close-knit couple struggles to make it work for the sake of their eight-year-old son, Henry, um, virtualistic accusations and bitter resentment threaten the very foundation of Charlie and Nicole's so-called separation or admicable accusations. I get tongue-tied, guys. Now, shrewd and observably costly lawyers take over and things are bound to get messy. But why are love wounds so deep and cruelly painful? In the end, is love always 
forever? That's a good question. Is love always forever? Let me get a comment on you guys. Those that are listening to my podcast, those that go on my YouTube, give me a Is love forever? It's supposed to be, right? That's the dream. That's the goal, right? Happily ever after, till death do us part. But what gets in the way of death till until death do us part? I got 10, 10 things that I want to break down before I get deep into this session. 10 things that I have isolated that is at the cause of most marital issues. Let me pull it up. Uh, here we go. I want to make sure I get a chance to show this on screen. First, I'm going to read it. And I'm going to show you. Um, <clears throat> this is found, I believe, in Genesis 3, verse 1 through 20. Y'all, it is hot. Let me get, let me turn this air on. I'll be right back. I told y'all it's raw because it's hot. And I'm not going to be sweating. Give me a moment, guys. Woo. Woo. All right, y'all. I was hot. I didn't hear the air on auto. Your boy like the sweat in his jacket. All right. So 10 things that I want to share with you guys that I truly believe is the at the core of most marital issues. I'm going to share it on my screen. I'm going to read it as well. And this is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 20 for those who want the references of that. Number one, ungodly outside influences. Number two, no personal identity. Number three, low self-esteem. Number four, lack of transparency. Number five, camouflage. Number six, no accountability. Number seven, spiritual warfare. Number eight, domestic dominance. Number nine, unfulfilled purpose. Number 10, division. All right. And we're going to go through some of those. And um, <clears throat> as it pertains to this breakdown of the marriage story, this movie, again, guys, hit those like buttons for me. Share, please share, share this on you guys' feed. Please, I want to bring as many people in because I want to uh, help my fellow love beings out there. Shout out to all my love beings, those that are subscribed to my channel, those that follow me, those that are following me and um, showing me love, buying the merch. Shout out to all my love beings out there. You are created in the image of God to love, right? You are my love beings out here. We are fellow love beings. So we're going to break down this movie. I'm going to pull up a scene. And, I, and, and I, I didn't get a chance to put this in any particular order, guys. But there's a lot of issues that's going on. So let me do this. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a scene. Let me take a scene in this movie. 
I'm gonna break it down the scene in this movie. And we're gonna break down one of these scenes, okay? Oh, here's a good one. All right, they say this is one of the best argument scenes in the movie. One of the best argument scenes in the movie. I'm finna, 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 finna show this, and we're gonna break this scene down. And I'll go into the scene more. Let's let's my my work is here now. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's let's my my work is here now. My family's here. And I agreed to put Henry in school here because your show went to series. I did that knowing that when you were done shooting, he would come back to New York. Hey, we never said that. That may have been your assumption, but we never expressly said that. We did say it. When did we say it? I don't know. We said it, but we said it. I we said it at the time on the phone. Honey, let me finish. I keep saying that. I thought that if Henry was happy here and my show continued. Henry... All right, let me pause real quick. Let me give you some context to what's happening in this particular scene. In this particular scene, um, the character um, has, I, I, I got to think of the name, woman's name, but I know the guy's name is Charlie. Um, I can't think of the woman's name right now, but the character that Scarlett Johansson is playing, she had already served her husband divorce papers and they have already began to go to court um, because it has gotten ugly. And in this particular scene, um, they're kind of just, trying to resolve it um so to speak on their own i don't know if you ever had a marriage where you know you still was cordial with the other person that you were going through a divorce with so that's kind of what's going on right because there really was no real solid issues that happened in this marriage well no let me take that back there was a moment where Charlie did sleep with um, one of the ladies in the actual, um, his, his theater troupe. But I'll explain how that happened because I know it sounds horrible. Like, oh yeah, here it is. Another man cheated on his wife, but it was deeper than that on why he did it, right? But other than that issue, because it was some more issues, like nothing real major happened um, on Charlie's part. A lot of this, these issues, came from the woman's character. You know, they say statistically 80%, but like something like 80% of divorces are filed because of women. The issue is there are a lot of women who don't take accountability for the toxicity that they bring in relationships. They don't take a lot of responsibility for the toxicity that they bring in relationships. A lot of women have a lot of emotional damage and baggage that they bring. And what they do is because statistically women argue more than men. Statistically, it's three times more likely that a woman will argue with the man than the man argue with the woman. And a woman is master at what I like to call um, a word, word kung fu, right? Word kung fu. A woman is skilled at word kung fu. She know how to use her words. Because a woman, because physically, normally a woman can't overpower a man. 
So I believe God gave women a gift of the gab. A woman know how to use words to attack her man. They cut deep. That's why the Bible says that a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her words. Because I believe a woman has the gift of gab and she is more emotionally um, able to handle emotional conversations than a man do. So a lot of times a woman comes with this emotional judo and tears her man down. And But a woman, statistically, they say women are less likely to admit when they are wrong. Scientifically and statistically, women have a much harder time admitting when they are wrong. So they don't really take accountability a lot of times for their, their part of the relationships. And so it makes it seem as though it's mostly the man's fault. That's why 80% of women file for divorce. But there's a lot of times when it's not the man's fault. It is the woman's fault, but the judicial system and society and culture sends, seems to take the side of the woman when it comes to when relationships um, go bad or right. So they take this, take her side and they come against the man because normally when something goes wrong, the first thing they say is, what did he do? What did he do? Nobody wants to say what she did. And a lot of times it's the issue that she has that causes the relationship to implode, okay? So this is what this scene is. I'm just running, kind of set it up. I'm going to go back again. And again, they've already filed for divorce. They're going to court and they're really trying to unravel issues. Like, can they fix this without the court system? Can they come to some type of compromise? And then they also want to kind of spew where they think the issues happen at or where they think the breakdown of the marriage happened at. So that's what you're going to be hearing in this particular scene. All right. So let's go back to it. Let's, let's, my work is here now. My family's here. And I agreed to put Henry in school here because your show went to series. I did that knowing that when you were done shooting, he would come back to New York. Hey, we never said that. That may have been your assumption, but we never expressly said that. We did say it. When did we say it? I don't know. We said it, but we said it. We said it at the time on the phone. Honey, let me finish. I keep saying that. I thought that if Henry was happy here and my show continued, that we might do LA for a while. I was not privy to that thought process. The only reason we didn't live here is because you can't imagine desires other than your own. I'm like the first time. Okay, you wish you hadn't married me. You wish you had a different life, but this is what happened. So what do we do? I don't know. Nora says there's no coming back from this. Fuck Nora. Fuck it, Nora. Telling me I always lived in L.A., even though I never lived in L.A. How could you have to say those things about me? Jay said them about me, too. You should have fired Bert. I need to my own asshole. But you both agree both of our lawyers said shitty stuff about both of us. Nora was worse. Jay called me an alcoholic. Pull the rug out from under me and you're putting me through hell. You put me through hell during our marriage. Oh, is that what that was? Hell? You can yet again get what you want. It's not what I want. I mean, it's what I want, but it's what was. Was. What's best for you? 
was wondering when you get around to Henry and what he actually wants. Fuck it all. No, you fuck off if you listen to your son or anyone that can say he does it any rather than here. Stop putting your feelings about me out to Henry. He tells me he likes it better here. He tells you because he knows what you want to hear. He tells me you're on the phone all the time. You don't even play with him. Because I'm going through a divorce in L.A. and trying to direct a play in New York, which closed because I wasn't there. It's a huge opportunity. Fighting for something you don't even want. You're being so much like your father. Do not compare me to my father. I didn't compare you to him. I said you were acting like him. You're exactly like your mother. Everything you're complaining about her, you're doing. You're suffocating Andrew. First of all, I, I love my mother. She was a wonderful mother. Just repeating what you told me. You can't be serious. You can't be my mother. Not like my mother. You're like my father. You're also like my mother. You're all the bad things about all of these people. But mostly your mother. When we would lie in bed together, sometimes I would look at you and see her. It just feels so close. I felt close when you touched You're me. You're a I made all the beds, cold all the cabinets, you like the infant. You'll never be happy. And now lay her anywhere. You'll think you found some better opposite guy than me, and in a few years, you rebel against him because you need to have your voice. Well, you don't want a voice. You just want to fucking complain about it. Stop being married to you, and that woman is a stranger to me. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. 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 That was deep. They said that's one of the best argument scenes in that particular movie. One of the best argument scenes that I've seen in a long time. There's a lot to dissect in that scene. I'm going to do my best to capture some of, some of it. And again, Another part of that film is that she's from L.A., he's from New York, and um, he's a theater director, she's an actress, or so one, you know, she had one time movie role as an actress, and so she came back to L.A. Um, because she had a series that she's working on, so the husband agreed to, you know, go back, how let the, let their son Henry go to school there until the, the, the series was over. And the agreement was for them to come back to New York, right? So that's kind of another little bit of the backstory of what's going on in this particular film. But there's a lot in that film. I know I'm going to miss some of it, but if you check that movie out, please check it out. Uh, I want to kind of just tack to a couple of things that stood out to me the most. I know you guys heard the name calling. Um, that's very common when it comes to divorce and people going through breakup. Um, and like when you see the rest of that scene, it's some it goes a little bit deep um, as far as the name calling that goes into that scene. And I know that there's been times where I have said some horrible things in the midst of my anger and my rage. Um, and sadly, we say we don't mean it, but we do. There is a dark part of us that does mean it. It's a very ugly dark part of us that comes out in arguing that's one of the reasons why we have to learn how to not be emotional when it comes to those things because my grandma once said if you ever wanted to say something horrible to someone get in the corner get a garbage can and speak into the trash can because that's where those words belong in the garbage because once those words come out you can't take them back 
you know, they say it's like toothpaste. Once you squeeze toothpaste out of the tube, you can never put it back again. And let me talk to those people who understand this when it comes to when you're in an emotional state, when you're arguing, when you're speaking negative words. Most times the issue is over with, but you're going to spend three to seven months, maybe longer, dealing with the backlash of the words that were said in that moment. The words that are said in the moment of your argument causes more damage than the actual argument. It lasts longer. It creates the most wounds. Most times you even forget about what the issue was, what you was even arguing about, but you never forget about how it made you feel the time that you had that argument. Scientists, scientists have proven that women recover much faster from arguments when they're at the when they're the ones who initiate the arguments. When a woman initiates the argument, she forgets faster what she said and what she did, and she recovers much faster than men. Men take a longer time to heal emotionally or to get over emotionally arguments and issues that they had. And this is mostly in general speaking. I know there's going to be somebody say, well, that's not my case. Well, then it may be the opposite for you. But in general, that's the science behind arguing. So we go back to this film and a breakdown of some of the things they said. One of the things that she complained about in this movie is she felt like she didn't have a voice. She didn't have a voice. Have you ever been in a marriage where you feel like you don't have a voice, like you personally, right? Whether it's true or not, she complained that she did not have a voice. And we talked about the 10 issues that causes the most grief in a relationship. One of that is no personal identity, no personal identity. When you feel that you have lost yourself in that relationship, in that marriage, it's going to cause conflict because you feel like you don't know who you are. That's at the root of when you don't have a voice is when you have lost your own personal identity in that particular relationship. And when you do that, it's going to cause you to have contentment. It's going to call for you to have resentment. And it's going to cause you to lash out and to become angry. So that's her argument in this particular um, situation in this film is that she felt like she didn't have a voice. But Charlie made an amazing statement. He says, you like to argue that you don't have a voice, but it's really that you don't have a voice. You just like to argue that you don't have a voice. That's a very powerful statement that a lot of people deal with when it comes to their relationship and their marriage. It's not that you don't have a voice because in this particular situation, he never stifled her voice. He never came against her dreams. As a matter of fact, he told her to go to LA to, to fight for her dreams. He told her to take her son. So he was never against her voice. The problem is, no accountability is her issue. She has no accountability, which is number six on my 10, my list of 10. She had no accountability. 
So because she has no accountability for taking her life and her career in her own hands, in her own direction, she rather argue about not having a voice than actually using her voice. That's why some relationships fail because deep down, you're mad at the other person, not because they're stopping you from you living your dreams, but because you don't know how to take accountability for your dreams. And, and instead of taking accountability, you blame people because it's easier to blame somebody for you not taking steps into your own life than it is for you to stand up and do something about it. And when you look at this film, she has a pattern of that behavior. When she met Charlie, she was in a relationship with someone. And when she was talking to the therapist, I mean, the lawyer about the relationship, she was saying how she was with a relationship and there was nothing wrong in a relationship. She just felt dead inside. Again, we talk about that. She had no personal identity. So she didn't know who she was. So she felt dead in that relationship. But instead of fixing that problem, she gets into another relationship. She never healed the problem that she had with the first relationship. So she jumps into another relationship. She comes into this man's life on his, on his he was a theater, uh, he was a director. She came to his audition. They fell for each other, whatever happened. So she put herself, she removed herself out of one relationship, got into another relationship, never healed, never took accountability for her not pursuing her own dreams, her own life. So she now gets into this marriage of almost 10 years. And again, she feels dead inside. She feels that she doesn't have a voice, right? Because she hid. Now here's another one. It's called camouflage. Camouflage is number five. She pretended to be a housewife. She pretended to be a mother. She blended into her situation, her marital situation. That's what came, one of the things about camouflage is you tend to just blend in to the environment instead of deal with the problem. She blended in. She put on the mother hat. She put on the wife hat, but she never had on her own personal identity. Not because no one, not because anybody took it away from her, but because she didn't know how to take accountability to pursue her own dreams. So she blamed everybody for her not having a voice, but that's not the case. This is why it was hard for her to really pinpoint why there's a problem in her marriage and her relationship. So what happens is we call them love termites, right? There are these little things that eat your extra relationship. Termites are really hard to see. When you have termites, they're really hard to pinpoint. They're really hard to see, but they eat at the relationship. You don't know what the real issue is. You just know something is wrong. And they eat away. And what happens is, just like furniture, you won't know that there's no that there's really a problem until you put weight on the table. Then it collapses because the termites has eaten away from the inside out at the structure. And now it's damaged beyond repair. That's what I like to call love termites. You have things going on in your marriage that you have not pinpointed and it slowly eats at your marriage from the inside out. And when something heavy, a situation happened 
uh, emotional situation, a tragedy happens in your marriage, in your, and you can't put weight on it. You can't lean on the relationship or the other person because the marriage has been rotten and it collapses. And now you just like, it ain't going to work. We just not going to be good together because one of the reasons why you do that is because you have not identified the problem and it feel like it's too much work to even identify it. So we just throw the whole marriage and the whole relationship away, right? Those are love termites and that's what happened. But what happened to this young lady is, again, it was love termites, um, or I'm sorry, it was no, um, no personal identity, which was actually her issue. And I'm not saying this happens for everybody, but I'm talking about in this, in some cases, we, instead of taking our own accountability for our own life, we go into relationships and we think that that's going to um, sustain us. We think that that's going to fulfill us. And when it don't, we feel like we don't have a voice. We feel like we don't know who we are and we blame the relationship instead of taking accountability that it wasn't the relationship, the problem, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. And that's one of the big issues that they had in that particular relationship. And that's that shows in that particular marriage, right? Another issue was when you look at that film, they talk about the lawyers. And the lawyer, let me tell you something. When you go through a divorce, lawyers don't care about you. They care about getting paid. They don't care about the emotional damage that's going to be caused with your life, with your children, with your marriage. They want they retainer. They want they check. They want to get paid. The, and marriage is one of the most, I'm sorry, divorce is one of the most heartbreaking, emotionally draining experiences that you probably will ever have to go through. I think it's worse than an illness because to me, at least with an illness, it deteriorates the body. And you kind of know, yeah, there's physical pain, but you at least have identified what the illness is. With divorce, you have not really identified what the illness is that has caused this calamity to happen in your marriage. Then the person, there's no medicine that you can really take when you're dealing with a divorce. Like, at least when you're sick, you could take some Novocaine. I mean, not some Novocaine, but some, you know, that, that feel-good drug that gets you high. You can at least, you know, get some relief. But with divorce, there is no release. There is no relief. It is constant, even when it's over. If that person doesn't isn't deceased, and you have to see that person, and you have to see that person in your child, and you had to see that person at the, at the at the reunions and you had to see that person. And then you see that person with somebody else and you see that person. So that agony, that thing drags out for years. Some people never get over it. You can literally get a heartbreak and die from heartbreak. So I think divorce is one of the most horrible things that you can ever go through. That's why God wants you to avoid it at all costs, right? We always say better people make better relationships. That's why I do what I do to kind of help you to avoid some of this casualty because I don't really feel like this marriage could should have ended. I think there were some issues that could have been resolved. I think they could have worked together because if you look at the movie, Charlie is a great guy, right? He may not be emotionally romantic at times, 
And most men don't. Most men have a lot of the call the Adam mindset. Most men know how to work. Most men know how to provide. Most men know how to have vision and they work toward their vision because for them, that's love. That's them providing for their family. That's them providing for their household, right? Making sure that the bills are paid, making sure that you have what you have. And then if you look at the film, he made her the lead actress. He made her the lead actress. He, she wanted to be a Hollywood actress. Film, I mean, film and TV. She, but he was theater, right? He's a theater um, director. So their purposes were similar, but they weren't aligned, if that makes any sense. But he put her in the film, put her name on the marquee. He was trying to support this woman in her dreams, give her what she wanted, but it wasn't what she wanted. And she never spoke up. She never said anything about it. She went along with it. So it was blind. He was blindsided really by the divorce because he was like, I'm giving you everything that I know how to give you. And then you come out of nowhere, you're divorced. Now we talked about the, that he slept with a, with someone he did cheat. And when I first saw the movie, at first I was on his side. Then when I found out he cheated, I'm like, oh, man, why you had to go and sleep with somebody else, man? You didn't mess it up, man. Like I was on your side. But later I found out she withheld sex for a year and he and made him sleep on the couch for a year before he had sex with somebody one time. And I'm not saying, I'm not justifying that you should have done that. But even the Bible says a man that robs because he's hungry is way different than a man that just robs because he has the ability to rob. So he slept with another woman, but he was starved sexually and emotionally for a year and an opportunity presented itself and he took it. Was he wrong? Yeah. And I'm not justifying it, but I can tell you, we, me and my wife have this saying, never say you will eat out of a garbage can. Just say you've never been hungry enough to do it. And then my wife will add, and never put somebody in a situation where they need to eat out of a garbage can. She put this man in a situation. He took it. The, in, the Bible tells you not to deny sex because the enemy will come in. So it was a spiritual warning. She held out. She was wrong for holding out for that year. She was wrong for putting that man on the couch. Yeah, he was wrong for sleeping, but she pushed and she forced his hand. Yes, she did. There's a such thing that's called uh, suicide by cop. Suicide by cop is when a man or a person wants to kill themselves, but don't have the, the ability to do it. So they will walk toward a cop with a gun that ain't loaded, that ain't real, with never any intentions of shooting so that the cops can kill them. They call that death by suicide. I believe there's a thing called the uh, divorce by forced adultery. Divorce by forced adultery. What happens is you purposely withhold sex and intimacy from your spouse purposely and put them in situations where people and will bring people around them, uh, purposely tell them to go out and kick it, perfectly continue to be uh, mean and, and angry to, to push them to sleep and cheat on you so you don't have to have the guilt 
of saying you got the divorce, you walked away. So you create an atmosphere so that your spouse can cheat on you. So then you can say that your hands are clean, but I'm telling you, you are accessory to murder. You are an accessory to that crime. If you force your spouse to cheat on you, if you set up the environment for your spouse to cheat on you, you just, I'm here to tell you, you just as guilty because God judges your heart and he judges your intent. The Bible says he judges your intent, not the action. He judges the intent behind why you did that, and why you did it. And that's what this woman did. She set it up. So now she can say, oh, he slept around. But you don't want to tell anybody that you called her. You ain't slept with this man for a year. You didn't tell the lawyer that. And it's crazy that when you look at this film, she don't tell the emotional troubles in, in her part of how she deteriorated this marriage. Here, holy your spirit. When she was going to a mediator, when they was going through a mediator, and this is in the beginning of the movie, they was going to a mediator in the beginning of the movie, and Charlie was cool, like he was, like following along with the what with the rules and following along what it was what the mediator um, told him to do. He was trying to fight and work for the marriage, but because this guy was not taking sides, he was not taking sides but he was clearly showing that she was the problem. She didn't want to go to the mediator. She was pissed off and she didn't want to do anything because she didn't find anybody to agree with her dysfunction. This is why a lot of therapy sessions don't work because most time, and unfortunately it is statistically more women when they can't find someone to tap into their emotional drama, they don't want to go to therapy anymore. I've seen it happen on so many instances. I've seen it happening personally in my sessions. I've seen it happen personally in the lives of people that I know that go to therapy. And every instant, the man didn't want to go at first, but he went to appease the situation. And most time, the women was going because they needed someone to jump on their side to be able to tell, oh, ain't nothing wrong with her. It's all his fault. And when that don't happen, most times women don't want to go to therapy no more. They don't want to go because women have a hard time accepting their role in a dysfunction in relationship. Statistically, that is accurate. I know there's going to be some people that say men do it, but statistically, women have a harder time accepting their problems, their issues, and their dysfunction in the marriage. And when they can't find someone that emotionally agrees with them, they don't want to go anymore. They don't want to deal with it anymore. And she got mad and snapped and, and walked out of the session. And you know what he did? He said, we'll find somebody else. But she didn't want that. So she goes and find a female lawyer who bought into her emotional crying, who bought into her emotional manipulation because the lawyer all she wanted to do was win she didn't care nothing about the dude anyway she hired her she hired her because she found someone that would hear her cry I'm telling you that happens a lot of times in relationships in situations and women and, and that's why men don't like getting married 
because men do not have the emotional unraveling or the emotional intelligence to unravel emotional women. Because men are more focused, driven in their thoughts, right? Men scientifically are not really good at multitasking, right? Most men are single focused. That's why they're able to get things done when they single focus. Women have more connect connectors in their brain so they can juggle a lot more emotional and more task at one time. So they are much better at dealing with emotional jumble, jumble, jambalaya, I like to call it. Men are not. So they most men don't have the words to really even say what's happening. That's why a lot of men turn to drinking or turn to violence. Like not necessarily violence against a woman, but like violence against themselves, punching wall, breaking stuff, because they're so emotionally frustrated because they don't normally have the words to be able to uh, express how they're feeling. That's why a lot of times men just give up when it comes to divorce. They just give her everything because they just want the noise to stop. They want the noise to stop. Take everything. I want peace. The Bible says a man would rather sleep on the roof of his house in the rain, in the heat, just to get away from a nagging woman. Uh, uh, and I know it uses another word, but that's what it means, a nagging woman. Why? Because he ain't designed to handle that emotional nagging. He ain't built that way. He is get it done. Give me an obstacle. I will solve it. Stop nagging. Here, take it all. I don't want to deal with you no more. You can have it. How? I would rather sleep on the basement floor with peace than to be in this house, in this mansion with this woman. Scientifically, spiritually, and biblically, that's how men are wired. So they would give up everything just to have peace. This man in this movie was willing to give this woman everything without going into a lawyer. He tried to work at work at the mediation office. She didn't want that because they didn't want to agree with her emotional BS. And so she went and found somebody. It was a lawyer who took money. And then he had to pay 30% of her lawyer. She didn't care because she was so emotionally, she was not taking accountability for her own. She was not taking accountability for her own emotional baggage. So she kept trying to find people to tack on to it. They took this man to the cleaners. He ended up getting a grant, a lifelong dream grant to produce his film on Broadway. And he had shut, he had lost it because he was tied up in this divorce because of this woman not taking accountability for her not having her own personal identity. So the issue was lack of trends. She had no, she had low self-esteem. She had no personal identity. She no accountability. And she took this poor man through hell. Through hell. And I wanted to just point some of those issues out today. Um, some of the dark side of no accountability, uh, the dark side of no personal identity that a lot of women, you know, I'm just focusing on women a lot because women are, don't really do a good job at taking the emotional responsibility of uh, women don't, don't do a great job of, of, of going into relationships 
and saying that they don't have a voice, but that's not really true. Now, I know there are going to be some situations where you may not have a voice, that there is abuse. There may be a situation where you were never taught how to have a voice. It, it's not even that the person you're with doesn't, uh, uh, that, that doesn't allow you to have a voice. It's just that you've never learned how to exercise that voice. And so you just automatically begin to camouflage yourself in that relationship and take on the hat of being a wife, take on the hat of being a mother, but there's something still missing in your heart. And you blame him because men and most times are structured and they're leaders. So you get mad at him for leading the family. You get mad at him for leading you guys' family to a certain situation. And you start feeling like he don't listen to you. You start to feel like he don't take what you say into consideration. And like we said, even in that particular scene, when he was talking about, um, you know, going to uh, LA and doing what he was doing and coming back, she was like, oh no, we did talk about it. And she was like, when? I don't, when, when? He was like, I can't remember exactly when, but he said, we said a lot of stuff in our marriage. You talked about how you wanted to put a gazebo in the back. You didn't do that. You talked about how you wanted to put an addition on the house. You didn't do that. Because you know why? You start, women, you guys start to say a lot of stuff in a relationship and you never go through with it. So men just started to feel like you never take initiative to do some of the things that you said you was going to do. So he just, you, he just listened to you, but you've never acted on anything. You've never took personal accountability on anything. So now you start to blame him because you're saying you ain't got a voice, but you never exercise your voice. You never take initiative. You never make anything happen. You expect him to do everything. You expect him to be a mind reader. You expect him to go out and make the money. This man was doing the best that he can, creating this, this, this play, put you in the head of it. That wasn't good enough for you. And I get it. That wasn't her dream. And a lot of you people may be triggered, may hear what I say, and you may um, 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 use these principles to look at what's going on in your own life. Good, because that's what I'm here. I'm here to expose the devil because some of you guys' marriages and some of you guys' relationships can work, should work, and you're supposed to be together, but you don't know how to uh, isolate and, and, and exterminate your love termites this is why you need help this is why you need to join my workshop because i'm gonna help you to isolate well no i'll take that back we're gonna work together and we're gonna let the holy spirit isolate and exterminate those love termites because i don't have the spiritual power to do that only god does and he does he can do it through me but the Holy Spirit going to come in and he going to get some things sorted out in your life. So I'm here to tell you guys, be careful of walking away from relationships and marriages because you have not done the work. Because you would rather blame the relationship than take responsibility for your mess, for your dysfunction for the toxicity that you bring brought into this relationship. Was that marriage perfect? No. 
It was. But was it salvageable? I believe so. I believe it was salvageable, but I believe the reason it wasn't was because she never took responsibility for her part of it. And in the end, you know what she did instead of healing? She got into another relationship. Three relationships she, you saw her go through in this movie. The one she was with when she met the guy, his, and the one she got afterwards. And he didn't get in with anybody. He didn't go back and sleep with that woman that he slept with one time when he had an opportunity to. That's why I know he wasn't cheated. See, I feel like there's a difference between someone who cheated and a cheater. That's me. That's me. And, and, and I know it could be semantics, but I believe there's a difference between someone who made a mistake and someone who has a consistent pattern of cheating consistently. He did not have a consistent pattern of cheating. He cheated. Is it still damaging? Yes. King David cheated, had sex, got someone pregnant, and his whole life was ruined afterwards, right? Did God forgive him? Yes. Did it cost him? Yes. But did God still bless his marriage? Yes. As a matter of fact, the Bible says Bathsheba, the first baby dad, the second one was Solomon. So he blessed that. Even though he cheated, you can still become blessed. I believe God can still work on that marriage. I believe there can be redemption in that marriage. But someone who has a pattern of cheating, that's something that it's never going to change. They're, it's in their heart. And they're never going to get right no matter what happens, right? Unless God do something miraculously, but that's that's a total difference. That man cheated once, didn't cheat anymore. And this was, and he could have gotten away with it. It wasn't like he kept cheating and she found out. He slept with this woman one time because he, because she didn't have sex with him for a year. She made him sleep on the couch. He cheated once, didn't do it again, even though technically she didn't even know he cheated until she broke into his email. And it wasn't like these people was going back and forth and he had an opportunity to do it again when she was in LA. He didn't really want that woman because a lot of men don't cheat because they really, like when you cheat because you've been starved emotionally and you've been starved affectionately and you make and you made a mistake, that's, that has to be some grace. And I believe it has to be some grace there. Is that going to be easy? No. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Is it going to take the Holy Spirit? Heck yes. Should you have to go through with it? No. But I do believe that there should be grace there. But that woman did not do that. And she got into another relationship. And it's crazy because at the end of that movie, you see her being emotionally supportive of Charlie. It's a small scene where she was in the car, by getting in the car with the new guy, to go somewhere, she got out and tied her ex-husband's shoes for him. That tells you something wrong with this chick. Something wrong with her. Anytime you get a divorce from someone and they still treating you great and they the ones who initiated the divorce, something wrong with that person. Something wrong with that person. Because it really was never you. It was always them. It was always them. 
happened to me in my life. My first wife divorced me and kept trying to give me food and have sex and all this stuff. But like, but like you divorced me. But now you want to kick it and give me all this stuff and this loving? Because it was not me. It was her. And the same thing happened in this movie with this particular storyline. It was her. And I just wanted to break that down that sometimes it is not you. It's them. And sometimes it's not the man's fault. It's the woman's fault for not taking an, uh, her own accountability for her not having a voice. It wasn't that she didn't have a voice because that really was the main thesis of why she got a divorce. She felt like she did not have a voice. And so she bum rushed and hijacked her voice, found somebody to emotionally agree with her and destroyed this man's career. He lost his grant. He had to shut down his play. He lost his son. And yet this man still ended up going to L.A. to get a residency, moved from New York so that he can be closer to his son, lost everything, had to pick up the pieces. This woman moved on to another relationship and she's still trying to tie his shoe. Sometimes it is not the man. Sometimes it is the woman. I had to switch cameras. Look at that. I was doing so good, the cameras went off. Hold on, you can still see me? I'm not sure what happened, but the camera went off, but we're just going to switch the camera. So if you see the switch on the camera, that's what happened. Hey, still look good. Devil still don't like, that's okay. Just had to switch the cameras up, guys, because that one cut off. Not sure why. But again, like I said, um, that's what I wanted to talk about the other side of divorce breaking down this movie the marriage story should have been called a divorce story should have been called old girl didn't take accountability for her mess for her foolishness I think a lot of times in relationships and I'm like I said the same beat up on women day but this is me at this particular advocating for the men who were not the issue in the divorce and yet still suffered the blow of it. There is a bunch of men who it was not their issue with the marriage, not perfect men, but it was not their problem. I like to say a lot of women like to throw emotional rocks. Emotional rocks are hard to pinpoint. Have you ever been in a marriage where you know something ain't right, you know that there's problems, but you can't quite put your finger on there? I call those again, love termites. And so you throw emotional rocks at the spouse. You set up hostile environment so that they will leave, so that you can say you were innocent, so that you can walk away unscathed and have the emotional support of a community that says men ain't nothing. Men ain't no good. That's why a lot of men don't like marriage. So why a lot of men would rather lose everything. I think there's a lot of unfairness when it comes to divorce on the part of the men that is not talked about. And a lot of you women are need to be ashamed of yourself and you need to understand 
that God will judge it. It's unfortunate because I believe, again, there are some marriages that could have been saved. There are some situations that you could have walked away from. But because you didn't know how to isolate the love termites, it ate away at your marriage. And again, you end up just going to another situation. That woman went to a whole nother man, still emotionally connected to the husband because it wasn't his fault. So I just pray that if that's your case, that's your situation, get some help. Um, I pray that this touches the heart of, of some woman out there, some person out there that God is saying, you need to take accountability for what you are bringing to the distress of your marriage, the distress of this situation. Stop putting it off on that person when you can see that they're trying to do the best that they can. It's not them, it's you. You need to check your heart. You need to go to God. You need to get you some help. All right, get you some help. All right, I am Pastor Michael again. The movie we talked about was The Marriage Story. It is on Netflix. Um, very good movie. Um, definitely worth the watch. A lot of great points. If you see some points, and like I said, I had a lot more points that I didn't even get to. I just got stuck on that particular uh, point about uh, the no voice theme because that was really the basis of why she felt the because she couldn't put her finger on it. So that's what she went with. And again, she found someone who emotionally agreed with her. And the people that when she tried to get help, she didn't want the help because the help was pointing out that it really wasn't an issue. A lot of people go through that. It's not really an issue, but you don't want to deal with it. That's going to kill that relationship. There are men right now suffering and suffering in silence because you can't really pinpoint what the issue is. Just know that she's blaming you for not being not taking accountability for her toxicity and it's easier to blame someone than it is to look in the mirror you're gonna have to get some help but you're gonna have to take this to god he's gonna have to heal that therapy can't heal that because they don't want therapy they're just trying to find somebody to emotionally agree with their toxicity they're not looking for help they're looking for allies And as soon as they find one, they're going to gang up on you because most men, again, are not emotionally equipped to really unravel the emotional doings of a woman. They're not. They cannot fight against that emotional judo that a lot of women are masters at. The Bible confirms that. So a man would walk away. He was stonewall. He was resort to anger he will resort to drinking drugs even other women because he's trying to self-medicate because he can't figure out what the problem is he keeps trying to do everything that he can and is not going to ever be good enough for you because you are the problem it's time today to get some help it's time today to get some healing some of these marriages could be saved but it won't be until you take personal accountability for your voice. Guys, listen, I hope this was a powerful message today. I hope it was enough to start some conversations. I hope it was enough to really get you to look at what's happening 
within your own life, within your own marriage. Um, I pray that there's healing that happens. I pray that there's something that pricks your heart. I pray that this become an answer to some of you guys' prayers of trying to figure out what's wrong with this marriage that you can't quite put your finger on. Check out the movie. If there's any suggestive movies that you guys think I need to check out and break down, please email me. Please give me, um, send me a message. Um, again, for those who want to support this movement of me really helping walk you through some of this, uh, exposing the devil, uh, coming against weaponized love. You want to support the movement, um, go to the link tree. We have merch. We have uh, donation buttons. Listen, I'm a filmmaker as well. I have a movie that we're going to be working on. Um, I'm not going to release the name of it, but we're going to be shooting here in Miami, Miami Beach, with one of, one of my filmmaker friends. Um, you want to become a investor in that movie. You want to play a role in that movie. You want to you wanna work on that movie. Get at your boy, hit me up. I'm going to be doing some movies, some television shows, some game shows. That's one of the things we're going to do. We're also going to be doing some cruises. We're also going to be doing some workshops. I have my online Zoom community, uh, the Power Couples Workshop. This is for anybody that 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 either want to be a partner, that, that's in a relationship, who wants to be a, um, a power couple, or who are seeking to be healthy, whole, and, 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 and walking in their full purpose. So when they do find Mr. Right, when they do find Miss, Mrs. Right, they won't uh, run them away with toxicity and that they, they will also be ready to become a power couple. These workshops are once a week. Um, I, right now, it's right now, it's $49 a month to be a part of this workshop. I teach it personally. Um, you get the live teaching. We get workshop, um, therapeutic workshops, uh, worksheets, workbooks. Uh, we work through some issues together as a community. Um, again, I'm, I'm Pastor Michael. Um, I'm just, I have a, a call on my life to do this, a call on my life um, to help couples, right? So all those that are live who want to go live with me, uh, we can do some live conversations. Um, after this, I'm going to go ahead and um, we're going to end this for our YouTube channel today and our podcast. Again, support is free. Just sharing, subscribing. Uh, if this has been a blessing to you, I, the algorithm will appreciate that. I'm going to bring you on in one moment. Trey, man, give me a second. I'm going to do a live. I'll bring you on. We'll talk. I want my, We'll talk. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sharing. I hope it's been a blessing. I hope that we can start some healing and some conversations and have to eliminate some of these love termites, okay? Again, I'm your boy, Pastor Michael. I am a love guru helping you navigate through this crazy thing called love. Why? So you don't become a victim of weapon, oh, sorry, a casualty of weaponized love. Thanks for your support, and I will see you again here next week. Peace.